Bye. Short Bus Debate Club. It's a bus. Rolling. get on board. <laughs> Hello, I'm Darren Jolly. <laughs> it's time to get this short bus started. So let's roll and on with the show. All right, people, welcome to part two of the war on drugs. Uh, when we ended the last episode we were talking about an email and a conversation that i had with the city and county of denver the uh, denver police department um i was trying to find out again you know how they are affected daily as far as the the war on drugs goes um and whether or not it's taking them away from other crimes and and that kind of stuff, whether we're spending a lot of money for no apparent reason. Um, And obviously, you know, I may have led them down a a path that I wanted them to take with my questions, but that wasn't necessarily my intent. Um, So... Again, when I talked to them day before yesterday, they said that they were still working on it and that they would get it to me as soon as possible. Still haven't seen anything yet, but like I said, we've had a couple of shootings in Denver. Uh, Whether or not those were drug related, I don't know. And they haven't said. So um, I sent them an email basically saying, hey, you know, I wanted to know how the department feels about the war on drugs. How does it affect you guys? I uh, wanted to know if you had a, a general statement or any answers that maybe were in the frequently asked questions section, but I couldn't find anything, so I decided to contact you directly. So question one, Fairly simple. Does the Denver Police Department have a blanket statement regarding the department's position on drugs? Um, I don't think any explanation is needed there. No, yeah. You're asking for just what their official position is. Right. Um, Has fighting illegal drugs impacted the daily routine of the Denver Police Department and its ability to serve and protect members of the community? Again, pretty straightforward. Um, it is a little leading. So. It, yes, mm-hmm. but it definitely doesn't require any explanation. <laughs> no. Um, but I am... I think it is important to point out, though, that it is a little leading. Yeah. Well, I am trying, like I said, to lead them down a certain path, but maybe it is just because I want everything to be legalized because I think it would be yeah, so we, much we easier. Yeah, we have certain assumptions, but, yeah. Um, now, this one's important. Um, what is the percentage of drug-only infractions in the past months, quarters, and or years? And the reason that I asked that question the way I did with drug-only is because... District attorneys, the police who who write the tickets or, or charge people initially have a tendency to 
muddy the waters a little bit and make one thing about another or, or vice versa. So, you know, if you went in and held up a fucking convenience store and you happened to be high on meth and you had some weed in the car, then it was, you know, armed robbery, um, being on the, uh, under the influence of an illicit substance or something along those lines and possession of marijuana with intent to distribute. And that's if you're in a state where it's not legal, but, um, so that's why I said drug only because if we are truly in a war on drugs, then they should be able to separate those out. But they have a tendency to leave them all together for a couple of different reasons. One, I think they get higher sentences. And two, there are certain politicians at both the state and federal level, maybe even, you know, local levels, where now they can say, well, drugs fuel crime. It's obvious because that guy was on meth when he robbed that convenience store. That guy was high on heroin when he burglarized that house, which I don't know who would be high on heroin burglarizing anything, but you get the point. Um, question four, would drugs being legal or decriminalized allow the Denver Police Department to investigate other types of violent and or property crime? Again. Not leading at all. No, not sl at all. <laughs> slightly leading, but important still. Um, question five, how much does the war on drugs cost the city and county of Denver? And then I broke it down into salaries, overtime, surveillance, technology, and legal and or court costs. Um, and again, they should have those numbers readily available to, to some degree, even if they are grouped together with other crimes. Maybe. I, I, I don't know. I haven't looked at a lot of criminal justice-like statistics when it comes to well, I pulled allocation of resources relative to specific types of crimes. I mean, you have like you have like drug divisions, right? I mean, which is a specifically designated thing, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, allocation of resources, right? And there might be something inside of like DA assistant DA, you know, offices, you know, adjacent to the uh, uh, the crime fighting, you know. Well, I individuals. just kind of glanced at the twenty twenty two city and county of denver budget uh -huh. um and i i saw that the police budget was on there it didn't break it down into those line items but what the police department submitted to the mayor and or city council should have had this stuff broken down like the technology part may have been new computers for cars or 
parabolic mics or whatever. But but having them broken down based on specifics with regards to those, as opposed to specifics relative to a specific type of crime fighting action, uh, may or may not be. Could be a different thing. Know. And it could be because, like, if they have been following one drug gang around for six months then they probably know how much that one case has cost but they don't know overall you know what watching they might have an idea of it but i'm not certain that if they've been chasing somebody for i mean just one stupid fucking movie comes to mind um 48 hours you know uh oh the way that nick nolte was chasing after the ice man you know like if you're if you're spending a ton of time and a ton of money uh, and not having success, I'm not certain how how much you want to be uh, making those line items available. No, and a lot of the the money may not be on that budget also because, you know, X amount of dollars comes like uh, the city and county of Denver got a shitload of money for body cams, and they got it from the state of Colorado law enforcement fund. And some other fucking municipality got all of this money for drones and so on. So maybe that isn't on the budget either. So maybe that's why they don't know where it is. Um, not leading at all, though. Again, sure. not not sure if it's that they're trying to be that they're trying to hide something, and or if. It's just the way this money's coming in, so it doesn't end up being on that budget. But they should be able to come up with a fucking estimate. Um, oh, speaking of estimates, what are the estimated number of assaults, shootings, and other violence due to gangs fighting over territory, customers, drugs, and or money in previous years? I asked that question, well obviously, because I wanted to know the answer, but, you know, during Prohibition, these guys were fucking, and I'm talking about alcohol Prohibition, those guys were fighting over turf constantly, and people were being gunned down on the streets and everywhere else. Um, Like that movie Lawless, where they'd been doing their fucking backwater hillbilly fucking moonshining. And then those people from Chicago come in and start trying to charge a tax right. on them. Right. So, But, I mean, even in the city of Chicago, those guys were fighting constantly. Yeah. I mean, t- t- suggesting ultimately that alcohol is like drugs and drugs connects to gangs in relation to territories, which means that people getting killed uh, in gang violence directly connects to uh, drug sales inside of specific locations. So, I mean... Uh, that that may not be something that everybody makes that, which is something obviously when we talk about gangs next week, we'll you know, make more connections to, like ultimately. But that's why you ask that question because there's an assumption that if you uh, decriminalize at the very least or uh, legalize and regulate and tax these various markets, you would no longer have uh, somebody in supermax. Uh, running drugs in the, from Mexico into the United States any longer, uh, you know, the, the, the way that Colombia was functioning. Of course, like, uh, this is way too gross an oversimplification, but 
it would uh, the way that violence is being constructed in today's world as it relates to gangs would not function in the same way. That's for sure. No, and who knows? Maybe they would find something else to fight about. Other, they'd shift to other black you know, markets. Now exactly. they're fighting over gambling or prostitution or Other whatever. black markets, yeah. yeah. Uh, which is part of the reason why the sort of like libertarian aspect of your existence pushes for decriminalizing all of these things and regulating them on some level. Yeah, dude, and not everything we talk about fits under vice. Uh, I, I mean, under the legal definition uh, of vice. But yeah, that that is an important distinction, the legal definition of vice. Everything... Okay, so if you have a vice, like I smoke cigarettes, vice, drink, vice, those are both legal, legal vices. But we all have these vices, prostitution's a vice, you know, gambling, drugs. I think all of those vices should be legal. And then I don't know what, the, maybe they would fight over their fucking shirt color. I don't know. But the what? Their shirt colors. Their shirt colors. Or Not unless they were making money out of it. Wouldn't think so. But who knows? So then... The final question that I asked. Oh, that's all of them. No, there's one more. Sorry. How many, if any, innocent people were injured and or killed within the city and county of Denver as a direct result of drug violence in previous years? Again, you know, these guys know who most of the gangbangers are around town. You know, they know who's selling drugs, who isn't, or at least they have a suspicion. Presumably who would be innocent and who would not be innocent. And so if, you know, a fucking four-year-old playing in the park gets shot. Yeah. They're they're definitely innocent. Yeah. Yeah. Or at least more innocent than the seven-year-old. Yeah, because a seven-year-old, by that point in time, they could be pimping hoes and shit like that. That's right. Bitch, don't make me slap you. Um, okay, so that was all of the questions. And then I said, you know, we're talking about gangs next week. If you want to point me in the right direction for gangs in Denver, please do so. Or if you want to be on the show, let me know. Um, and again, I know that they're busy. They're just one department within a large department so there have been a couple of murders this week so it's been kind of a busy week yeah um so i want to give them the benefit of the doubt especially because they said that they were working on it Mm -hmm. could have been blown and and not only did they say that they were working on it they said brian yeah we know we're working on it (laughs) you know when you get on a first name basis with the the denver information department of information you you know you're either going in a good direction or a bad one yeah yeah um and i'm not sure which at this point i mean considering the fact that we're doing this for pretty much for free um i'm not sure it's a a good direction but fuck yeah, you throw enough shit against the wall. Something's eventually got to stick, right? That On is all a levels, true whether, whether in responses from the, the Denver uh, Police Department or in trying to get people to listen to any of the bullshit that we uh, 
Right. I mean, and and we could be making enemies on all sides, right? Because we talked about the fact that if we legalize it, then, you know, Chapo lost all of his yeah, juice on the like Supermax. He, he's, not, he's not excited about our legal position, no. Um, sure. And, you know, I don't know if any of the others are, and they could be just in the middle, only making 100000 yeah, a month. But, but the prison industrial complex, they don't want it to go away. Right. I mean, that's, there's a lot of things that are being alluded to here, right? Is that when you're dealing with the political economy with these types of things, you know, and I mean, obviously we're tending in a specific direction because like this week when we, when we, we frame it from this point of view of like, uh, there's the suggestion that there was a tendency towards the militarization of the police and the creation of these legal spaces that would become hyper aggressive against specific populations inside of, particularly inside of urban centers, but throughout the United States, you know, writ large. Um, and as these uh, business opportunities opened up, then uh, there would be the codification of specific industries in relation to them that like would allow for both. And like Brian had suggested at the beginning, some of the industries are very clearly black market industries some of the industries are more on the up and up if you want to call uh, housing fucking immigrants at the fucking border in fucking cages and uh, some of the shit that we were talking about last week with or two weeks ago with regards to the prison industrial complex um, uh, uh, industries that are on the up and up, I'm not sure, tend to agree a little bit more with uh, um, uh, some of the characterizations of uh, the the other book that I was talking about with that guy that teaches the police oh no the Rutgers at, 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 guy. yeah out of, out of Rutgers yeah um I can't remember what his name is Chris Hedges I think yeah Chris Hedges is his name. that sounds right uh-huh. but uh, um but that as this sort of like happens as this change in policy happens in 1971 um so what when did the DEA come into being what what was so Nixon was 71. I thought it was 73. 72, 73. Right, yeah. um, I don't know. I thought it was funny because in that show Narcos, they were talking about the DEA. And basically, all of the other police agencies thought the DEA was a joke. Personally, I, I do too. But um, whether or not it was true... And yeah, July 1st, 1973. Okay. Um, and Narcos, they said that the DEA's office was actually above a strip club in Washington, D.C. Now, I don't think that they're going to. Did it happen to be the strip club where Marion Barry was getting his crack? <laughs> Sorry, that was a dick move. It, it may have been, of I, course. I will tell you something really, 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 really <laughs> funny. Um, so I, I'm sure that this was uh, Brianna Joy Gray the other day, but uh, um, people were talking about their sordid history, uh, and she was talking to these other people that identify themselves as like hyper lefties, generally Marxists or whatnot. And uh, Brianna Joy Gray uh, revealed that her mother had dated Marion Barry in the late 60s. Really? <laughs> She said that, which obviously was, you know, 20, 20 years before he got popped for all the shit that happened in the 80s. But uh, I thought it was a pretty fucking, uh, it was a pretty, I mean, uh, like sometimes like how a person will present themselves publicly will allow me to endear myself to them a little bit more. And when she said that without even a hesitation, it, I, I, that, I, I th- that was a very charming thing to do. You know, 
I don't I don't want to go too far down this rabbit hole, but the legalization of marijuana or or all any drugs kind of maybe requires a little more thought. You know, Marion Barry got in trouble for crack. Um, well, that and Anita Bryant, but um, so if all drugs are legal. You know, how do you write that in or, or do you even bother writing it in for politicians and you say, well, you can't come to chambers, you know, being high on on heroin. Um, or or any illicit substance better not like if you're going to be pulling the peyote buttons out, if you're going to go on a journey, you know. Um, I, I, let me just make like a stupid, funny, another side point here real quick. And this is sort of the problem with part two is that we kind of deteriorate into these spaces sometimes where we get tangent oriented. But, uh, when I was looking at the scheduling, uh, as it was outlined in the 118th Congress, which is the most recent, um, uh, identification of how controlled substances are scheduled at this point in time, um, there were a lot of notes that I made on this, and we don't have time to get into them all, but one of the ones that I found uh, most entertaining was that um, in Schedule 1, which so Schedule 1 and Schedule 2 are the highest ones. They have the highest potential for abuse. Um, one of them is identified as having medical uh, use, and the other one is identified as having no medical use. Schedule 1 is no medical use. Schedule 2 has medical use. In Schedule 2, you have cocaine, you know, obviously there are tons of derivatives of cocaine that are used for dental shit, like lidocaine and all, and, and just for other, other um, numbing agents in the body, right? Uh, methamphetamines, they give Adderall, which is for all intents and purposes, a, a variation of methamphetamines to so many fucking people under the sun lately that it's like, it's, it's laughable. Um, uh Oxycodone obviously is a painkiller they give all the time and fentanyl is something that they give when people are in when they get shot or something like that they or, get, or cancer, cancer I mean, yeah 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 but anything it's it's dire type shit yes uh -huh. so ultimately um these ones are identified as having medical uses but the ones that are listed as not having medical uses are marijuana which since all of the legalization of marijuana in the united states began with medicinal medicinal marijuana uh, this is laughable that it even maintains a schedule one to this date. Um, uh, LSD, which, um, of course, like the original, uh, looks into LSD were only being done by the CIA, CIA because they were trying to use it as a mind control thing. You just go look at the MK ultra things. These are not things that are, uh, the, it, it's all declassified stuff through FOIA. Um, um, and peyote, which is uh, as every indigenous um, body that utilizes peyote uh, identifies it as medicine. Yeah, and they they can still use it because it's under their but it's religious, religious purposes. It's not a, so the, it, and and that's really problematic is that they 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 separate like spiritual medicine from. Because the way that our spirit, and I don't mean spiritual in a little, it's like God, you know, Jesus, this kind of sin. I mean the human spirit. Like when people do peyote, when they go on these fucking journeys, whether they do it in a controlled environment or not, that has incredible physical uh, 
consequences for people if, if you get your mind working in the right direction. And then of course, MDMA is listed there. And with all the stuff that they've been doing with uh, um, veterans as we were talking about beforehand, um, and because of the success they've had with in PTSD uh, circumstances with veterans, they're already branching out into these other areas. So, um, and if they're utilizing them in these uh, clinical spaces where they're testing these various theories that they're having with regards to PTSD, obviously these are being used as medicine at this point in time. So how the fuck is MDMA still classified as a schedule one fucking drug? Well, so again, and, and on the, the business of drugs yeah. on Netflix, again, MDMA and the precursors or chemical drugs were one episode. And MDMA was, was talked about with regard to post-traumatic stress. Now, I know that the one guy that they talked to probably wasn't the only case, and they probably had some failures. I mean, dude, in order for a pharmaceutical drug to be able to be advertised on TV and say, you know, Lyrica works, or this does this, or whatever... I talked to my doctor because I was like, why didn't this fucking work on me? You know, what the fuck is wrong with me? And he goes, well, dude, he said, really? I mean, the success rate of any of these drugs is probably at the highest, like maybe 60%. But most of the time, it's around 40, 50% that are successful. So the other 50%, it doesn't work. So if you follow that same, you know, number pattern with MDMA, then it's still not a bad thing. I mean, because pharmaceuticals are fucking people up left and right with the side effects and everything else. But this, this guy on the business of drugs, he said, you know, he was fucked up. He tried to commit suicide. That didn't work. Somebody says, hey, you know, you need to go see this person. And it was a MDMA therapeutic something or other. But these people, they're all over the place. Yeah, they're and I, all this wasn't the, the only one that I had heard of, but I mean, this was a guy that had was truly fucked up and tried to kill himself. Yeah, what did you say? He, he tried to blow his brains off. Yeah, and a bullet fucking didn't go. I so don't he was know. a failure at everything that he did. But it only took three sessions. And then he was no longer a failure. Right. Which doesn't mean that he went back and tried to kill himself again. Or maybe he did. I don't fucking know. Because they don't follow up with that part. By the way, all of these people, these guys OD'd. He went really good for about three months, and then he blew his fucking brains out. Because he was Jones and one MDMA. Very dark humor. Um, So, yeah, I mean, and to just write off any drug... Regardless, because again, the pharmaceutical companies can essentially do whatever the fuck they want. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, that's not entirely true, but they've got a lot of fucking leeway. They do, and they've got a lot of pull. I mean, with regards to the way that they give their kickbacks to all those cockbags in fucking Congress, and they maintain, like, right. there's I, I, one of the things that I like about breaking points, like, a Sager has an obsession with the pharma- pharmaceutical companies. So like, uh, and, and so does Crystal for that matter, but Sagar has a particularly like pointed way. Like, well, they'll go and they'll look at one where uh, there's like this pain medicine that like costs $20,000 a year to get fucking uh, 
a prescription for, and uh, they they change the time release from 12 hours to 14, and that alters the because you're only allowed to hold a patent on something like that for so long before a generic can come out. Yeah. So they alter that to where it says that the 12 hour time release is defunct and does not function. So they reset the clock on it so they maintain whatever the five or seven year, however long it is. And that kind of shit fucking happens. They do that shit all the the time, dude. And Lyrica, like I mentioned, Uh I mean, that shit was fucking expensive as shit. Mm -hmm. Like, even with insurance, it was going to cost me fucking $400 a month. And that was was with insurance. So it was actually, I think it was three grand a month or some shit that they were billing. Thousand dollars a year. That might have been the one they were talking about. So they uh, sent out this thing that said, "Oh well, if you want to try Lyrica, you can do it, and it's only going to cost you fifty dollars out of pocket." Um, but you had to fill out all of this horse shit and send it to them, whatever. Lyrica didn't fucking work for me anyway. Um, but there are two what I would consider cousins of Lyrica, that that they're not truly generic Lyrica because one of the chemical branches has just slightly changed to where it's essentially the same fucking drug, but it's not. So lots of people are getting those now because Kaiser as a whole, won't give Lyrica because it's so fucking expensive. 20, 20, so they get the cousins. Without insurance, uh, depending on doses, is between $266.38 a month and $1,112.72 a month. It was fucking expensive, dude. Because when they tried to give it to me, that was back in 2014. So I'm and that sure. That was off of uh, talktomira.com. Just so, you know. Yeah, I mean, and, but that I, that isn't the only one that's like that it might be the most expensive one but they like you said they constantly change something and say oh well it was this so they resubmit their patent and then now none of the generic companies can do it yeah that's that that whole resetting of the clock is the key to all those ones and and it, they had made 50 billion it, they had made like some ungodly amount of money like 50 billion dollars off of it so i mean if you make 50 billion dollars with the cost of, of like the 14 year lifespan of a drug like that you're not gonna just give it you're, you're gonna do everything you can to not give up give it over which is so fucking stupid so oxycodone has been around longer than oxycontin mm-hmm. now everybody confuses oxycontin and oxycodone i don't i don't either but i don't take oxycontin because it's a fucking time release and those suck. They're yeah. fucking worthless. The only time I'd ever seen them was when Annie had broken her leg so bad and they were giving her because uh, her leg was she was in the external fixator. All yeah, yeah. But they they tried to pull that shit and say well, no. You can't. We're gonna do a generic or you can't do a generic of this. Well, you basically took oxycodone and threw it in some sort of fucking plastic whatever the fuck and made it to where now oxycodone was being released slowly and made billions of dollars off of it. And now you're going to say that somebody else can't do a fucking time release. 
Time release isn't new, you fuckheads. But whatever they can do to make money. Yeah, and they had a lot of fucking money because they made so much off of that. And I don't know if it was because, like, Rush Limbaugh was the official spokesperson. But that was pre-time release with him. Like, he was he was crushing him and snorting him, I think, if I remember reading what I read. Oh, maybe he there was. There was a time period when they could, because Cotton is not codone. It is, there, is a, there is a difference. It is more It is more potent. I didn't think so. I thought it was just time release, but you could be right. I, I don't know. Cause he, they, got, he got junkied on that stuff, though, dude. He got in a bad way. Yeah. Well, I mean, they say that everybody does, and maybe they if do. If it wasn't Rush Limbaugh, I wouldn't. I don't want to piss on anybody's grave, but it is Rush Limbaugh, so I'll go ahead and piss on his grave. Yeah. Oxycontin is oxycodone HCI. That's all it says? And that's from the Oxycontin website. Okay. So it's just an extended release. Um, and that's... I, I they don't. They had some kind of sort release. of special time release when thing. they put it in where that you couldn't chew them or crush them or snort them anymore. Right. Because it, it was that weird fucking. It was like a plastic safe, yeah, dude. Annie, when Annie had those ones, yeah, you couldn't. I mean, they were like rocks. You put them in, they go into your stomach, and then they. I mean, and that was the point. Like her leg was so fucked up, they had her do that, and she'd have to take one at twelve hours. You know, every twelve hours she'd take one. But then they'd have her take two of the the seven and a half milligram Percocets every four hours because she needed to have the what did they call that breakthrough, breakthrough pain. pain yeah things and then that would manage and do it she yeah I mean and she needed it she well needed so it. maybe the OxyContin yeah. was stronger because it was just a stronger dosage I don't know you know I'm I'm not a pharmacist I could maybe call one. Um, I'm sure that they would respond. Yeah, they love to talk to the media or well, just people that are just not media but just having podcasts talking shit about. I'm related to companies. her, so I. She might call me back. Who are you gonna call? My pharmacist cousin. Oh, I thought you were just talking about calling a no, a, a I pharmaceutical won't. company. No, 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 no. Yeah, I, that's too bad because I know they really. Yeah. Yeah. Your pharmacist cousin, she she may not, she wouldn't want to be on here. She doesn't impress me as the kind of person that likes microphones very much. No. No. Probably not. But, I mean, who knows. Um, okay, so we know pharmaceutical companies have a bunch of juice. And maybe that's one of the reasons that, like, these schedules are still in place. And they're saying you can't do testing on MDMA or you can't use weed for medicinal reasons or or any of that stuff and part of it could be that weird religious thing and part of it could be the weird fear thing because they they pound that into our heads a lot too right if we legalize drugs there are going to be junkies on every corner and what happens when there's junkies crime increases people are going to be stealing your fucking car and they're going to be breaking into your house they're going to be raping your dog Everything, it's just going to be a clusterfuck of stuff because everybody's going to be addicted to drugs. I know. Weird, right? <laughs> um, and he was supposed to be a freedom guy. So that was, that was three different fear things that, that they hit us with. And if you're religious 
and some sort of fucking peeking out the fucking blinds all the time because you're worried about shit, um, you're probably not gonna say, hey, we need to legalize this stuff. Did you ever see the movie that Darren Aronofsky did about uh, drugs? Ellen, Ellen Burstyn was in it, and she started doing methamphetamines in it. What was it called? Dude, I can't remember. I'm, I'm trying to figure that out right now. It was, dude, it was a fucked up movie, dude. Like, uh, uh, Requiem for a Dream. No. Oh, dude. This is, this is, that is a must-see movie. It's a movie that, that must be seen. These, these, they start out by just Is that what must-see means? <laughs> I wasn't trying to give a definition, bitch. It's but a must-see movie. It must be seen. I was just re, uh. I was just saying over again, Ellen Burstyn, she got uh, nominated for an Academy Award for it, though. But Jared Leto's in it. His girlfriend is Jennifer Connelly in it. His best friend is, friend is uh, uh, Marlon Wayans. I think I've seen part of that. Didn't they have some weird orgy? Dude, yeah. Because, well, at the end, like, so Jennifer Connelly goes and fucks this guy to get heroin for Jared Leto, right? And, and like he loses her as a result of this because he keeps sending her to this guy. Yeah, you can't pimp your girl. Yeah, to yeah to get heroin. But uh, when they break up at the end, she goes to this thing and does this sort of sex show where there's a double dildo and she's fucking this other girl with a double dildo at the same time, and it's so that she can get her fix at that point in time. But uh, I can't remember what happens to Wayans, but... Uh, Ironic, like, like she just didn't want to share the drugs anymore. She'll go fuck somebody. No, she was broke. No, no, she was, she was, well, okay, you're being a smartass. But yeah. she was broken by the fact that he was pimping her out. I right. Mean, that was the, the truth of it. But Jared Leto gets this infection in his arm because he keeps hitting the fucking same spot. And they're telling him, dude, you got to pick a different spot, you know? And, like, he ends up in the hospital. And they're like, dude... Your fucking arm, and he, his arm comes off. They he have to take his, his arm, arm off. But uh, somehow or another, his mom just—I can't even remember how it happens—but she starts doing speed, and like her addiction to speed, the way that Darren Aronofsky like plays this out in this fucking show, is uh, like there's a reason why she got nominated for an Academy Award. You, do you want me to redefine must watch for you? It is a must-watch. You must watch it. <laughs> it is, it's not a film that I can watch. I only watched it twice. The second time, I was like, dude, I can never watch this movie again. Because it is so fucked up. But, like, Darren Arnold, I mean, he's just one of those guys. Like, sometimes he does some shit on the screen that fucks your head up so bad that you just, you got you got to kind of walk away from it. And this is Requiem for a Dream was a very good, like, and, like, it's hyperbolic, you know, like, I don't know anybody that got addicted to heroin that lost their fucking arm. I do know that uh, there was this one kid that when I was in high school who started to smoke speed and uh, he was awake for four days and started to talk to aliens and started talking to his dead mom and uh, uh, like that kind of shit. Being up that long. That happened. Yeah. Yeah. And and not only, but being up that long where you have, when you're smoking speed over and over and over and over again, you're, it's more than just the the sleep deprivation. It's that you know he was in a bad he was in a bad way. I don't know what ended up happening to the kid. He was a pretty good kid. I felt bad for him. He ended up getting so heavily hooked on it. But uh, yeah, 
Requiem for a Dream. Maybe I should have saved that for a our hour long. Yeah, some other end. some other one. Um, so I think based on what you just said, you know, and maybe the case was drastic with him losing his arm and pimping his girl and all that shit. But I I know that the pimping thing happens. Um, probably the losing your arm thing happens from time to time, or, you know, at least you get some fucking atrophy and it's useless or whatever. But what I was going to say is I think some drugs are probably worse than others. But as far as I'm concerned, it's not up to the government to say which ones those are and aren't. Because, again, you're not my babysitter. I, I don't need you to take care of me. But if meth is worse than weed and heroin is worse than weed. oxy, um, there's a chance, and this shouldn't scare anybody. This should, you know, oh, well, maybe, maybe he's right. You might be able to now have more of a conversation with these groups that have been traditionally hidden away because they're afraid they're going to get caught for doing drugs. And now maybe they can truly get help. I'm not saying that you need to go and knock on everybody's door and say, hey, do you want help? Hey, let us help you. Um, but if it's more available, then maybe not as many people are going to be addicted as you thought because more of them that are already addicted are now going to request help because they don't have to worry about going to jail. Well, no matter what, the original, like the, the, the triple scare tactic that you, you, you introduced that neither one of us believe is the teleology, that it's going to that if you if you legalize it then necessarily people are going to become criminals and the society is going to degenerate like this this rhetorical teleological uh disposition is is absurd but one thing does concern me about decriminalization or legalization if we don't at least put something in place for um like through like that's why you you you, you don't just decriminalize that's why you legalize you regulate you take proceeds from the tax funds and like in British Columbia, where you have things like clean injection sites, right? Like this is a very, very simple uh, thing. You know, you, you, and, and you look, it is not, look, when I played poker for a living, the reason why I beat the fuck out of most people at poker was because I realized when I had a deficit and I found somebody who had a strength in that and I extracted that strength from them and I applied it to my own game, right? Looking outside of yourself, is not a sign of weakness. Looking outside of yourself to somebody that's doing something better than you're doing it is actually a strength, I would argue. So if you look to Portugal, say for instance, who has been an incredible decriminalizer uh, and has done a lot of this and who, uh, when they made this stuff available and started to regulate it, because um, they didn't just decriminalize, they did, they did a lot of stuff. They put a lot of things in place to help people that were were addicts they they actually 
we're interested in the concept like we were talking about last week. We're not just talking about a revolving door. If you get people that are addicted and they want to not be addicted, you want to be able to rehabilitate them. You want to get them in a position to where they can do that, right? So you need to put those structures in place. So look at a country like Portugal that's done a really, really good job of facilitating that process, right? Um, obviously, like I'm, I'm getting the, the, the carriage way ahead of the horses because we're so far, like, we, we are not ever going to get to the point where we're going to be even thinking about decriminalization until like the, the political economy, like deadlock on the way that the system is reproducing itself, like as it relates to the pharmaceutical company, as it relates to the prison industrial complex, as it relates to the way that the CIA uses drugs to finance their activities that they don't want to be seen coming through, uh, Congress in those those funding circles so that they're subject to oversight or other uh, intelligence agencies that are acting throughout the world um, until those certain aspects of the political economy that continue to perpetuate the existing drug policy positions are um, at the very least begun to be dismantled then all of the all of the points are moved like in the interim. Well, and you and I talked about this before we started recording. I mean, there may be a lot of other moot points. I mean, because just because we said, fuck it, do any drug you want, doesn't mean that the other countries are going to allow those people to export it to us. Um, you know, I mean, again... So if we go to certain countries and we say, hey, gates are open, bring it on. You know, maybe Colombia buys in. Um, this is a trend. And that's that's another thing. Like for us to talk about regulation on a nation state level, it it denies the fact that these positions are transnational. Like. Uh, the drug trade is transnational, like uh, the, the heroin trade is definitely something that is coming from all over the world into all these different places like in the mechanisms that allow them to pass through them if you don't think that state mechanisms are functioning on behalf of these spaces then you're fucking deluding yourselves well heroin i think we could do here mm -hmm. um again it's the poppy is fucking robust as a motherfucker it's resilient as hell but then you're upsetting balance of power in other places where you yeah, maybe. drugs out of. So then all of a sudden, maybe fucking Burma declares war on us. I don't know. Um, but I think the only one we couldn't do here is cocaine. And I don't know that for a fact. Maybe we could grow coca indoors. I don't know. Um, you're still not going to unplug the United States from the global political economy. No. No, absolutely not. But I think, you know, again, so they grow lots of poppies down in Mexico. You know, I mean, that was always in the past. You know, they called it China white, Mexican brown. And it was a quality thing. If you didn't have a lot of money, you bought Mexican brown. If you had a lot of money, you bought China white. Um. In my hair on purchasing days, like they're kind of fuzzy, so right. I can't remember, I lost my fucking arm. Um, <laughs> concentrate, get that dildo out of your ass. 
All I can remember is I was pissed because that bitch only brought $20 back to me. Dumb whore. Um, I don't, so I don't, I don't know. Um, and maybe we just supplement, but I think with, because Af- a lot of it comes from like Afghanistan, Pakistan. You know, we go over there and we say, hey, we'll give you more aid money because now we're going to start taxing this shit. You know, they say that a lot of the fentanyl comes from China, but I really, I really question that. Like, I know that like a ton of our pharmaceuticals come from China. So I know pharmaceutical capabilities are incredible in China, just like they're incredible in India. Yeah. But I still like every time somebody says something negative, like if you were to say something negative about Russia right now, like if you're going to say something negative about Russia, that's just out of nowhere that like, I need some substance to that. I need you to tell me why that is. And I need like the fentanyl thing. Like I just hear over and over. Maybe, maybe I'm just ignorant and maybe somebody could educate me. And if somebody is listening to the show and they know something about fentanyl production in China and how they're getting it through Mexico into the United States, which is what seems to be being suggested over and over and over again, I would be happy to be educated on this point. But right now, it just seems that this has sort of been a smear tactic that's been being put out there. Well, and the DEA's fact sheet, mm-hmm. you know, because I think on our first episode we did on drugs, which was, what, episode five or whatever? Shit, I don't know. Um, I looked it up, and the, the fact sheet was a one-sided PDF. Yeah. That it's all bullshit. It didn't have any more There's information no on it. I mean, it might have been more accurate. Like, you know, I talked to people and they're like, You want to stay away from fentanyl? It's 100 million times more fucking potent than heroin. So you just take one little speck and you'll be fucking high forever. And they said that when they were coming out of the bathroom when you were working over at that. Uh, the 7-Eleven where they chased the guy off with the fire extinguisher. Yeah, that's what I said. Yeah. Um, but they, I mean, I don't think anybody knows. And I don't think, and this is part of the fear thing too. They can keep us in fear if we are uneducated. Yeah, that's, well, that's why I said what I said. You know, I just... Like the fentanyl thing, I just want to—I just want to know more about it. Not not about the drug, but like we can we can identify the movement of certain things from certain locations. Like that's something that 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 is documented, and there are people that have been actively involved or historically involved, and that can say certain things about that stuff. The fentanyl stuff—it just seems to be coming out of nowhere right now, and I just want—I just want to know more about the truth of it. Well, so this, you know, I mean. It was a lot easier after NAFTA went into effect to move drugs from Mexico to here. Not necessarily the drugs part, but just goods in general. Yeah. Because there's a bunch of trucks coming over, going back that way. Um, so, fuck, I mean, there are fucking plenty of labs in Canada and Mexico. It could be coming... But that's it. From both, I, I, I understand that, but what I'm saying I don't want any more it's. I just want to know what the truth is. I want to know a little bit more concrete. Well, there probably is no truth. What I was getting at is well, that there's something that's actually happening in the real world that's physical. Yeah, but what because I'm what I'm does not mean that there are nece- there's necessarily fentanyl coming from Canada. No, but what I'm saying is is that it's easier to move drugs. So if 
if China figured out that Mexico could move drugs here easily, yes. then maybe they, they are moving But there are fucking plenty of pharmaceutical labs in Mexico that they could do the same thing, both legal and illegal. I mean, uh, Chapo built plenty of labs for heroin and, and everything else. So they're used to working with drugs. I mean, I'm just taking a shot at the people right now that keep saying that China's doing all this stuff. Like I just, I just get sick and tired of it being said that it's China when there's no, nothing that's, that's even being put behind that at all. No. And I think, and it, it doesn't have anything to do with me liking China or not liking China. It's about evidence. It's about when you're positing something and you're not saying anything substantive behind that thing. That's all. I think one of the things that I read on the DEA fact sheet. The one page PDF. Yeah, and I, I could be confusing it with something else. But so every chemical is going to have a signature. And so I think I'll have to pull it up again and, and we can talk about it during the gangs one. But I think that they've said that, that those chemical signatures have been traced to here and that, here and here. That may be true, but I would rather have like a fentanyl Walter White standing in front of me telling me that than listening to the State Department telling me that right now. And that's fair too. Um, I mean, especially after what that fucking parole guy said where they're just fucking juking the numbers yeah i mean that's the idea yeah exactly i mean and and again like somebody's got to be out there that knows the i i mean i honestly am not even saying that some of this isn't coming from china or 80 percent of it's not coming from china i just i just want something a little bit you know being put out there wouldn't fucking surprise me one single bit is that since Fentanyl is legal, and there are plenty of pharmaceutical companies in every state. It's being produced here. Is that they produce it here, and then just fucking ship it out and say, oh, well, it was China. Yeah. Or they're giving them some fucking expired shit, and that's why people are, and I know you can't OD off of expired shit. Um. Well, you can OD off of expired shit, just like you can OD well, off right, of expired shit. Well, right, but not because it's expired. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> um, so, I, I I, don't know. But it, it wouldn't surprise me, especially if they just kept it off the books and made a bunch of money for another fucking slush fund. And, yes, that is a conspiracy theory. And, yes, it is unsubstantiated. I was just floating it out there. Is that what we're going to start calling you the floater? I'm floating unsubstantiated conspiracy theories. Brian, the conspiracy theory turd. He's a floater. <laughs> I'm here for you, dude. I am. I really am. Dickhead. And I'm, dude, I'm, I am scheduled too because I am, I have great abuse for potential for abuse and I am definitely medicine for the years so yeah i i can't argue with that i haven't seen any data on it but except for the fact that we only get like 11 people that listen to this every week (laughs) um so i know we did kind of what we usually do but we're coming up on an hour again um did we veer off was there anything 
I mean, because we kind of touched on the fact that we can't really legalize it without including some of these other countries. We kind of touched on Nixon and his fucking war on drugs and the formation of the DEA. Um, you know, we touched on the medicinal or possible medicinal benefits of, of some of the stuff that they say there's no fucking reason to have it, you know, in Schedule 2. And obviously we could go a lot deeper for hours and hours more. And, and we may end up doing that again later, but. High abuse potential. Just one thing real quick. I don't know anybody that's ever gotten addicted to heroin. I just don't. I always wanted to try it and never did. And the people that I know that took acid, they take it at certain times for certain events, generally speaking. I mean, I know when I was 16, I tripped about every third or fourth day for about six or eight months, you know, maybe, maybe longer, 12 months, maybe 16 months. But no matter what, when it was done, like you could say that it was uh, high abuse potential, but I would actually argue, and I would be happy to sit down and argue with anybody about this, that this was actually my own form of PTSD therapy, that I was negotiating some of my own problems from my youth. And psychedelics helped me to work a lot of that stuff out and got my brain moving in a much healthier direction, I think, personally. So, well, I, you I mean, play hot coals like you were crazy. So. I could argue that I've been doing my own fucking therapy forever, just trying to fill the hole in my soul with booze, with acid, with weed. That's, that's I know, I know there's a self medicating, yeah. yeah, is. I mean, because the acid was there and then it's gone. Like, I don't, I haven't, I haven't tripped acid since December 31st, 1995 at the fish show. Three I, sets. I don't remember the last time I tripped. I know it was a long time ago, but I used to trip a lot. And we didn't fuck around. Like, I mean, oh, four heads? Oh, no, here, have two more. Okay. You yeah, want you, two you more? Played, you played hot coals. I juggled fire, motherfucker. Yeah, and were, walked fire. You were a little crazy. Yeah. Juggling fire while on LSD is no joke, dude. Because you you can't really see it because there's lots of tracers. So you're not real sure what you're grabbing at. <laughs> so. But when you have blisters, second degree blisters on your hand the next day. I never burned myself. Well, I I have burned myself, but not on the hot coals. Um, and I walked across fire barefooted, mind over matter. You know, when it comes to LSD, nothing is impossible. And I, you know, and I'm not telling people to go walk over fire when they're tripping. That is not what we're saying. And I have to admit that even as we have this this tailing conversation right now, our argument for at best, at, at, at least decriminalization and at best regulation and uh, legalization, we're not helping our cause any right, right in this moment. But dude, I mean, seriously, then if doing stupid shit because you're on drugs is a reason to not legalize them, then by that same token, we should make alcohol illegal. Yeah, because it's just People doing stupid because shit. Because I've done lots again. of stupid shit drunk. I mean, I, I've i done stupid shit drunk fairly recently. And when I say that, I mean within the past five, six years. Um, 
Yeah, I don't doubt your abilities. No, I'm I'm <laughs> I'm really good at doing stupid shit. <laughs> so I mean stupid shit just it comes with the, it comes with the territory. I, yeah. I, I I understand that. And and actually to be perfectly honest, with you stupid shit comes with the territory of being humans to begin with, right? I mean we, we do a lot of stupid things with or without, you know, uh, aids to our uh, mood and those people so i can't even remember what the fucking uh is it the raspberry award they give some fucking award to the stupidest person every fucking year or whatever or they have a top 10 and they like showed that one motherfucker in the like the stand-up pool with a fucking ladder and he's got a fucking electric drill trying to drill something above his pool. Um, there was the guy that tied all those helium balloons to his lawn chair and he had a BB gun and he was just going to shoot him so that he'd put hey, himself down, down. <laughs> slowly. There were all of the, I mean, dumb motherfuckers. And I don't even think a lot of those people were drunk. So then again, I mean, stupidity. Should we just throw those people in jail? Because they're stupid, obviously not. But I mean, maybe we could have like a stupid person Hunger Games or something like that. Oh, dude, I thought we should just move them all out to a fucking island, stupid island. Yeah, I remember you used to talk about that. <laughs> um. <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, obviously, we're all gonna do stupid shit, drunk, sober, high. I, I still think we should fucking legalize them all. And if you're scared of something, whether it be stupidity or crime or whatever, I mean, New York has a needle exchange right now and like rehab clinics. Um, I'm not sure how they're, they're doing it, how it's funded or whatever. Um, I'm guessing that they get a lot of donations. But, you know, I don't think crime has seen a huge fucking increase now that people are using clean needles and and are still allowed to shoot up they have like places where they can go and shoot up it's and a clean, hang out it's called a clean yeah. injection site that's what they're that's the point you got i mean if people are going to do these things regardless then don't first 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 and foremost don't create other medical issues out of them because they're doing there you're gonna have you have two things that are gonna be in place you're gonna have like you said if they got clean needles that means you're not you're not AIDS you know HIV I guess would be a better way, way to say that um, hepatitis you know the various things that you can spread around through through needles and also you're gonna have somebody on you're gonna have Norco there you're gonna have somebody on site to make sure if you a don't person be... if a person overdoses then they're and and you can you can tell me that that's you know just just let them die but fuck you motherfuckers you know like all you all you fucking motherfuckers who work on Wall Street you were all in fucking uh, you all went to schools that had uh, alpha omega bullshit you drank you did you know you did something stupid you know you could have died too, you know, maybe you almost did. Maybe you accidentally killed somebody and your parents were rich and they covered it up for you. What's that guy's name? Oh, yeah. Um, well, dude, it's my understanding that that, again, I don't know how they 
they come up with these stats, but like a lot of the upper middle class, middle class are now using heroin on a fairly regular basis, regardless of color. But, you know, you mentioned the Wall Street guys. So who has more disposable income than fucking bankers? They're like obviously there's shitty bankers that probably don't have as much, but they're they're like Eric Stoltz in Pulp Fiction, and they're not joy popping with a bunch of bubble gummers, you know? Right. Have you seen my little book? Should have been with the needle. You little. want me to stab him in the chest three times? <laughs> I need a big fucking red marker. Um, okay, so we're over an hour. Again, I, I know that there's areas where we need to, to circle back. I think we're going to touch on a lot of the areas next week when we do gangs. Um, and that's going to connect again, you know, prison industrial stuff to drugs to gangs. Because we didn't really cover mandatory sentencing um, which we I kind of want to talk about it. We on the episode. We've talked about it. Yeah, bills, we've so. talked about it previously. But, but. We, you you all understand that mandatory minimums, when it came, that those were almost exclusively rooted to drugs, or they were they, many of them were rooted to drugs. A lot of them were rooted to crack at first. They changed a little bit as time went on, but they put people in jail for a really really long time. Well, and the 94 crime bill was also the fucking genius fucking instrument that made buying more than two boxes of Benadryl illegal. And that was directly related to math. So on the way out, so when I was coming back from Toronto, right? Yeah. Like I, I had gotten about a, I was about a half an hour on the east side of Des Moines. And that cop was fucking tailing me for about five miles. Right? Yeah, you he said he was drafting, he drafting you. me. Yeah, and like it's the second he drafted me, I knew he was trying to justify the grounds for pulling me over. So they pull me over. Uh, they come, and uh, Althea's in the car. Tila's in the car. Althea's fucking going ape shit. And he's like, you know, you want to maybe come out here so your dog doesn't kill me. And uh, another cop, cop car pulls up at that time. Uh, we go over and... Uh, I sit in his car. It's fucking cold out, dude. And I'm in my my sh- my shirt and my shorts because I've been in the cab for fucking hours. I wasn't going to plan on getting out until we got there and take her to pee and then fucking go sleep. I was looking for a comfort in because they were pet friendly, right? Right. But this fucking, uh, this cop, he sits me in the the seat next to him. He's, you know, long story short, what, you know, what's in the, what's in the car uh, or in the cab, the cab of the truck or what's in the back of the truck. And I tell I tell him, can I have the key for the lock? I'm like, yeah. He's like, do I have the uh, permission. Your, your permission to search it? I said, I don't give a fuck. I said, just go fucking search the truck. And normally, I would not say that. I would say, go get a fucking warrant. Fuck you. You don't have the fucking right to do that. But I had been on the road for 16 hours. I left Toronto that morning. I was fucking tired. And they went through... Him and this fucking rookie cop who's fucking shining his car, they get into my fucking dirty underwear. I was kind of laughing at that point. There was this uh, uh, tool kit that Nicole's brother had given me where um, there it was like uh, five tools on this side. It, it was a lockable kind of case, you know? And of course, I don't know that it's not locked. It's unlocked, you know? But it's in the styrofoam. So 
they pull all the fucking tools out of it and they're like trying to pull the styrofoam out like i might add something you know hidden underneath it right so like it, they, after about an hour and 15 minutes they they give up and they realize that there's nothing in my fucking truck right um he comes back and i'm pissed at that point in time and I, i'm i'm not gonna just walk away you know he says he says okay so there's nothing in your truck you can go i said no i said i want to talk about this he says what do you mean i says i want to know why you guys stopped me i said what the fuck you know and there was really nothing that he was going to tell me at that point in time that i was going to believe but he said the first thing that he said to me was well a lot of people come from he says you got flagged when you came across from canada he said you went through at um can't remember the one that was the north one it was uh, i can't remember minnesota or something well, no, i was in michigan but there's there's two crossings there's one at detroit and then there's one in the uh a uh, port huron i think is what it's called he says you went through a port huron um at such and such a time this morning and you got flagged when you went through there i said why he said well because people come from like uh new mexico and colorado and they drive up to canada and they get stuff to make methamphetamines and they come back down. I said, would I have driven from Colorado to fucking Ontario? I said, are you fucking insane? Yeah, why not go to Alberta? I just go straight fucking north. He's like, why would I ever fucking do that? He said, look, dude, it's just a, it's a bucket with a bunch of holes in it. And I'm just plugging one, one finger in it. I said, I said, this is fucking bullshit, dude. I said, I, I said, I don't even know if I believe what you're telling me is the truth. He said, look. He said, here's my card. He said, if you have any more problems on the way, like as you go through back down to Colorado, just have them call me. Uh, I'll make sure that they know that you've already gone through this process because you have been flagged federally. So it might happen again, you know? And I was like, fucking motherfucker, you know? Dude, it's just, but I wonder what the flag was actually for. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I, I, I don't believe it was for that. I just don't believe it was. For no. That. It, why the the drugs thing just doesn't make sense in in the context of me. Colorado well, and not. even the Benadryl, I mean, what I, had been, I, I, I was on an academic visa for a year, and I had been there for six months. Nothing made sense about me being flagged. So, almost six months, about five and a half months. So, nothing made sense. It's because I was at a fucking Marxist school and because I was a fucking uh, a revolutionary motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> What was the middle part? <laughs> okay. Um, so, prison, drugs, gangs, military, government, slush funds, we're budgets. Gonna, we're going to break up the second part of the one for this week later on. We're going to talk about the films in relation to drugs, right, for a while. Yeah. Um, but we're not going to talk about our opinion on shit for two hours again, because I noticed that usually on that second one, there's a you drop. Guys, yeah, you're not quite. I, I can't believe that. I, th I thought our opinions were interesting. Dude, I think our fucking opinions are great, but <laughs> whatever. Um, so we're going to try to think of something creative to do for the second half. Maybe synthesize everything that we're trying to put together a little bit or something. Yeah. So um, drug movies and then something else. In the next couple of days, so sometime over President's today's President Day's weekend, maybe maybe we'll announce our intention to 
run for president in the next election. Yeah. You can sure. be president. I'll just be vice president. I just want to be the head of the Senate. So I can sit there and talk shit to a bunch of rich motherfuckers all day long. Go have beers with Bernie Sanders a little bit, you know. That's whatever. Um, okay, well, I hope you enjoyed this episode. We will talk to you soon. Um, what's the... seven two zero three three four roll. Roll, bitches, roll. Short bus debate club at yahoo.com. We are not going to run for presidency. That was just a joke. Well, fuck it, we might. Let's see how things go this next couple of weeks. If it blows up, then we'll think about it.